Hey, Relay community. Lindsay Hine here. I missed everybody last week. I didn't get to be on the episode. Because you were uh, on the beach. I was on the beach, you know, bumming around. Hi, Dean. <laughs> Joined with Matt Chittam, Peter Bromka, and Laura Thwee. Hey, everybody. Hello. How's it going? Welcome back from the beach. Thanks. What beach were you at? Uh, Wrightsville Beach in North Carolina. It's just two hours from my house. Uh, it was not warm, though. It was like you know, high fifties and I jumped into the ocean. So it was my first polar plunge. Look at you. Influencer. Yeah. Influencer. I'm a bro now. I'm cold plunging every day. And then today. How are the I, ketones? Listen. <laughs> um, She's toning as well. I'm ketoning as well. No. Speaking of that though, I was listening to the Huberman lab podcast this morning on my run. And um, he, it was a episode on tenacity and willpower and it was two hours long i felt like i was sitting in a science lecture i tried to absorb it anyway he did briefly touch on the mental willpower of the cold plunge and i did for a minute think should i buy a cold plunge thing Ooh! and then i remember how campaign they're just gonna chip away at you yeah i want (laughs) to make sure that my uh i like to be cozy in bed in the mornings though and i just i don't know the Cold plunge you're supposed to do in the morning, right? All right, can we, I, I have an idea. Can what? we just can we role play this? I'll be Glenn. Okay, <laughs> Lindsay. Okay, you can ask. Bring, bring it up. Bring, bring up the potential purchase. Okay. Um. Hey, I think that we should get a cold plunge. What? What the hell is that? It it's like stimulates your uh the neurons in your brain and your and it helps you with uh, muscle recovery and it helps you be strong and. This is my argument for why we should get one. And it builds it's mentally strong. So you so you just you just sit in cold water? Yeah, you get in it and you get sit in cold water, yeah. So don't we already have cold water? <laughs> <laughs> Can you do a DIY polar plunge? I feel like oh no. you- what's the- if you don't use a discount code from an influencer, you're not even trying. I don't want one of those tubs. You're missing Glenn, though, Matt, because Glenn just looks at me and rolls his eyes. Like he just, he, it's, he not, just... it's not it's not great audio. We have to put that on video for the podcast. <laughs> I tried. I tried to. Yeah, well, it's like, he'll I... just like let me talk, and then like I've been talking about trying to get a chicken coop for like a year now, and I think I'm just gonna go to Tractor Supply after this call and go buy one and just show. Are you gonna up be putting chickens in it, or is it just another place for your kids to play? <laughs> Both. <laughs> Oh, man. the upstairs anyway so yeah throw them out in the coop yeah <laughs> then you get a room back listen if the hinds have a chicken coop you're sure gonna see random chickens walking through my house that is 100 gonna be the case I have, oh i like this for eight months out of the year when you do like like picture like videos around the house like the doors are just open uh-huh. like oh, no yeah. screens just yeah. open doors yeah so I, like there's definitely going to be chickens running around you have i've had random neighbor dogs running in, through my house we've had found a squirrel in the house i oh, mean definitely like a balance of like on any given week is there more action on the international running scene or just in the boys in the hind house destroying things oh my gosh <laughs> I, I i'd say this week the boys are winning i your your instagram i don't know is a reel or a post about the boys destroying your jeep i was yeah, like this morning oh, wow this is are you you're slowly pitching a reality show here it's yeah it's pretty you just kind of have to laugh though like sometimes you can get really like Am I mad about this or is this just like a joke right now? Like you just have to laugh. That's or if you haven't cool. seen it, you should check it out. Yeah. That's how I know I'm not ready. Just like hearing this is like giving me anxiety. <laughs> no, the like. I'm not ready. <laughs> you just can't care about your stuff. Okay. Yeah, That's- I care about my stuff. I'm super OCD. I like everything to be clean. Everything has a place. I like to have control. I like organization. So then I hear things like this and I'm like, I'm not I- ready to like forgo all of that you know i'm not ready to like give that piece of myself up Lindsay casually showed the the windshield and it's like that's broken from when one of the boys got frustrated and angry and kicked it (laughs) kicked it out kicked it in from the out inside you're like casual casual. when you give birth to the hulk you just kicked out the windshield i couldn't even do that if i tried Oh, you have You're not no trying hard enough. These idea. kids have much much more tenacity. I need to use I need to use listen to this Huberman podcast about willpower so I can kick out my own windshield. Actually, Lord, maybe this is what you need to get over your OCDness. You get mm-hmm. maybe Andrew Huberman can help you with your willpower. You can really be like, I said, I'm gonna embrace 
chaos and dirtiness. I'm going to tell you, that sentence right there gave me anxiety. <laughs> like, no, I don't erase either one of those. Like, I'm like, nope. <laughs> The other, um, the other most, we'll move on from the Hein chaotic household, but I'll just tell you the other most on brand thing for me the other day, um, one of my kids, the friend's mom pulled up and she was like, Hey, your, your van door's open again. And I'm like, I know she's like, it's always open when I drop him off at your house. And I was like, (laughs) I was like, I know it's broken. So I just don't shut it. (laughs) And she's like, don't like squirrels get in there and stuff. And I'm like, Sometimes yeah. I just go, I, when I get in the car, I just like open and shut the door really loud and make a lot of like, like this and make a lot of noise and they run out. Um, so do you drive with it open? No, no, I'm no, confused. No. So like, <laughs> Lindsay's like, Hey, it's not moving. All right. Ease off. Ease so wait, off. It closes when you drive, but it doesn't when you're just parked. Correct. So like when you drive, so there's this like, listen, when I had to explain this to our babysitter last summer. I was like, listen, there's a science to this. You just have to try it a couple times. You'll figure it out. You start backing up as you close it. And then if you're backing up as it's as it's shutting, then it will shut. And then you you turn on the like door thing that like lets it locks it. And then when so that's but then when you park your car, probably seven times out of ten, it just pops back open every time. So if I'm home. I just leave it open. I'm like, I am not spending 10 minutes getting this door shut. So I've seen this. This is the Chrysler Rube Goldberg, right? Is that what this is called? Um, it's a Honda Odyssey. Oh, okay. Anyway. Do you, yeah. do you know that, Lindsay, that, do you know that, the that word? Joke, that joke fell flat. I'm going to be taking that one out. <laughs> That's the, the kind word? of chaos I live in. Though. That, is, <laughs> that is my chaos. One of my favorite words is menagerie. Do you know that word? Uh-uh. Just like. The chaos of many animals together making sound. This is what I think of when I think when of when you think uh, of my house. The, the yeah, I think like a chicken walking through the podcast video call, or like you know, pull up to soccer practice and you open up the door and, and different just, animals. Oh, that's what it some is. Some human animals, some domesticated. And there's usually know. like an extra kid with us. Like we already have four boys. There's almost always an extra boy in the van with us. It's like um, the the, the anti Home Alone. If I can convince the Sir Walter people to bring some relay people to Raleigh um, over the summer, which I think would be amazing. Um, if you're listening, hi, we want to do that. I just want Peter to stay at my house and like sit on the couch in the living room and just observe. And just like, and just like, like drive some elbows. <laughs> I want to be sitting. I want to show up to Sir Walter Myler like in the back seat, in the middle seat, just like. Holding the door closed of the minivan, just, you know, so. <laughs> yeah. Bromka, hold its clothes. This is like the minivan version of like, you know, those beach, those Jeep Wranglers that people bring to the beach. They take the doors off. It's like the yeah. minivan version of that. You can do that with a Honda Odyssey. <laughs> we just, we just discovered that. It's like basically the same thing. But you, you know, the reel from this morning in the Jeep. And I had that chair that they had broken in the back of the Jeep with the seats pushed out. And the kids were just like sitting on top of the seats. We only live a half mile from the school. So it's basically like, you know how you're not supposed to drive with your kids in like the truck bed. These kids are just piled on top of this seat. With you know how. You know how. They just, they just exit the Jeep. And the kid that's working the safety patrol doesn't even know how to open the Jeep because it's like got that push button because it's a 1995 Jeep. And I'm like, you got to push your thumb really hard. And then once my kids exit the van or the Jeep, he like kind of gently pushes it. I'm like, no, you got to slam that door shut, buddy. And well, the kids it sounds just like, like you guys need like new cars. Like maybe <laughs> a cold plunge and a like I don't know. It just feels like there's some priorities here that are being missed. <laughs> Hold on. This chicken coop isn't gonna pay for itself, Laura. <laughs> yeah. The chickens are gonna solve everything. Right, that's a true investment. I don't know. My bad. I don't have kids. I can't listen, Laura, this is much cooler than the moms with the sixty thousand dollar Yukons or whatever whatever yeah. those fancy cars are. This is way cooler. Okay. <laughs> this is real More life. Influencer status. <laughs> Lindsay's oh. I will right. say though, sorry, last thing. I will say though, my oldest is starting to get a tad bit self-conscious. Like when we carpool for soccer, he's like, Can we drive the Jeep? Because he's he's like embarrassed that the van door is broken and that the van is very dirty. And though the Jeep is a 95, it's got like cool vibes you know so, so yeah yeah I, wait just to carry on this i for some reason the other day was thinking about how in high school i drove my dad's 
car to work, um, which had old leather seats. Like it was probably well over 10 years old at that point. He was traveling for work and I had my license. And I just distinctly recall a boy from a class above us, like walking by my car and he's like, oh, look at those leather seats. They're busted. <laughs> and I was like. Wait, did busted mean cool back then? Or like really actually? Uh, no. Is I that like. It, hadn't, it had yet to come around the bend to cool. It feels like um, cool. Oh, that's busted. You know, yeah, like. I, like those break. leather seats. Eat. Wait, is um, Matt laughing? What is Matt doing? I it was just I, like I love how Laura just all for the first time ever framed herself as way younger than Peter with that question. <laughs> like, tell me about the old times, Peter. Oh, <laughs> let me get out my monocle. Wait, what's our biggest age gap here? Well, Steph's the youngest, but then it's Laura's Stephanie a close second. Stephanie is simultaneously the youngest and the most accomplished. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Age stuff. Are you talking? What do you mean? No, you're from Doctor Stephanie Flippin. I think it's less about accomplished than just like she has like the oldest demeanor. She has soul. an old soul, like, right? Yeah, I have an old soul too, with some things. Yeah. Yep. Sorry. Anywho. I feel no. like I hijacked that entire first beginning, and I'm sorry. If you want to hear more about the Hind kids, may follow I, me on may, Instagram. You know, follow us <laughs> on Instagram. Also, she has a parenting podcast. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> Um, no, I, I would say actually, if we're plugging other podcasts, if you haven't done so already, Peter and Stephanie recorded a really fun coach's corner episode last week with Mario Frioli. We put that out on Friday last week. It was great. It was not the typical coach's corner where you talk about questions like, Hey, should my three by, you know, should my, my, my like eight by half mile be a walking rest or a jogging rest? It's not like that kind of coach's corner. It's much more like Mario, talk to us about your evolution as a coach and that sort of thing. It was a really fun thing to talk about. However, I last, oh, sorry. Oh, just to say that, um, yeah, we had a fun time with Mario and we're, this is something we're going to be trying. So if there's coaches you think we should talk to, please, um, message us or reply to our podcast. Also, well, it's just funny. Stephanie and I had a good conversation about it. Like we're, we're really going to need, our goal is to push coaches to get as specific as they're willing to get without like revealing things about athletes they don't want to reveal. Cause we're just seeing such commonalities of if you speak about training in at too high an elevation, it just becomes like, well, it's like whatever the athlete needs. And it's about meeting them where they are. And it's about love of the journey. And you're like, I'm falling asleep here. Like, how do we get these people who are distinct individuals to express like how they problem solve, how they've uh, overcome adversity, you know, for themselves or their athletes. So it's something we're going to be pushing on. I talked to a man, I won't name him because we're hoping to have him on, but he hasn't committed to come. And Stephanie was asking if he might come on and I said, I give it away. He's in Portland, Oregon. I saw him and I said like, would you come on? And he's like, ah, oh. he's like, people like Mario like know so much. And I'm like, um, I don't know if I'm as confident with the science or like, you know, which are the details? And I just think it's fascinating because there's these different spectrums that different coaches fall on. I mean, I think, Laura, you've, you've talked about it. Like you've had different coaches and they have different approaches to like which numbers they're looking at or no numbers at all. Um, and so I, I think it'll be fascinating if we can try to push the coaches to not hot taking, but like to take a stand on like what they spend their time on and what they don't spend their time on as opposed to like, well, it's about finding, you know, the blah, 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 blah. And you're like, you know, I don't, there's so many podcasts out there. I'm like, what am I, am I learning anything here? Or is it just like they're paying lip service to being empathetic? So that's my rant. I'd love to have more people on and I think it'll be interesting. Cool. I'm so happy to have Steph back too. Like, yay, Steph back on the podcast Ooh. where she He's needed a little her. break and it's great to have her back. Yeah, no, very welcome. For sure. For sure. And then last week in group chat, we got called out on Instagram and rightfully so. We did. Peter yeah, well, Peter forgot Allie Wilson's name. He was referring to the girl who won the 800. Oh, wow. And the, Peter. In the, in the black kit. You can't the black, I know. Black kit. I knew she was unsponsored. Oh, man. So in honor of that, sorry, Allie, we do want to talk a little bit about this because Allie, Allie not only Wilson. did she win, uh, did she had back-to-back -back weekends of winning. She won the Indoor National Championship as well, ran incredibly well. And I will say... Interesting thing, people who listened or listen to, people who read the Fast Women newsletter may have seen this, but also it's been popping up at several other media locations over the past week to 10 days, has been Allie's, um, kind of her, her little running odyssey, she was 
uh, part of the Atlanta Track Club, which has an August group. She was being coached by the Begley's down there. And as part of that group, she was sponsored by Adidas. And then at the end of 2023, I'd say way before that, they, they announced it internally that the Begley's were going to be leaving at the end of 2023, uh, around that time. Uh, and then, you know, leaving the Atlanta Track Club, Allie had formed such a strong bond with them decided to also leave the Atlanta Track Club and in doing so basically left her Adidas sponsorship and all of her training partners for the most part to follow the Begley's who then um, moved from Atlanta into the Indianapolis area. So this is an interesting conversation because all the times we have seen the power of groups, right? We have seen, you know, up near you, Laura, you you can be part of it. Like the team boss dynamic, people love that. BTC, it was a great group. It was they were they were so together, and then all of a sudden they moved, and all of a sudden it started falling apart. Nazelite, that group has been solid, and these group dynamics, we've seen the positive benefits of them over and over again. But rarely do we see this splintering where the coach goes and but the group stays, and then an athlete has to make a choice. And I thought this would be an interesting interesting thing to talk about of. Which one would you prefer? Would you rather have the great coach and the solid training group or the great training group with the solid coach? And I think it kind of like maybe would illuminate what people value in their athlete coach and running relationships. But also, I think it's not the same for everybody. I can imagine some people in the Atlanta Track Club like, hey, I love the Begley's, but I don't don't think I want to leave the group. Right. Some people stayed. And some people left. And I think it it begs the question of what would you do in this situation? I think it depends who you are as an athlete and what you need uh, as far as like confidence in having the success in the environment that you're in. Like for some athletes, like having that coaching relationship, like that can be really hard to find. And so when you feel like you connect with the coach, not only from like a training standpoint, but like on that emotional, like vulnerable kind of level that I think is so much of what a coaching athlete relationship like can be when you have that and you form that like that's really important and when you have confidence in the training that you're doing with a certain coach like that's huge um but other athletes like that group component like they get more from training partners and you know especially if they're in a group where they're training with some of the best in the world like that's really where they get that confidence and like that's what they're looking for where maybe for them a coach is like well you know like training's training but it's who I surround myself to do the training that gives me that confidence um so i think it just really depends on like the athlete that you are and like what piece is really important for you and your belief in what you're doing. So I think it just, yeah, it just comes down to what you actually need as an athlete. So, And I think also the age or maturity level or experience they're in, right? Because you might have like Laura, let's use an example. You might have had a different response at 25 mm-hmm. than you would at 32 in terms of like the, the, how your career has progressed and how you've progressed in terms of not only your knowledge of the sport, but also your knowledge of different, you know, concepts within running and training. No, for sure. I think where you're at in your career, um, and what it is that you're obviously like looking to train for and like, you know, all of, there's so many different pieces that play into like a group being the right fit, a coach being the right fit. And then that can obviously change and evolve as you change and evolve throughout your career as an athlete. So yeah, again, I think there's a lot of moving parts, but it, again, it's it's just figuring out what piece is like more important for where you're at. And for Ali, like right now, it's like, hey, I believe in the Bagley's like they've, you know, they've served me well. I've had success with their training. It sounds like she probably has a fantastic relationship. And again, like those relationships can be really hard to forge in the sport, especially on a professional level. So when you feel like you really have that, like, you know, it's probably worth, you know, making that move, leaving the training partners, you know, it's unfortunate too, that you have to make, you know, like sponsorship is tied into that. And like, that's like, that's her livelihood. So, I mean, you know, she had to like really weigh all of these really big decisions that are going to ultimately affect her career. But um, it sounds like she made the right one for her as far as what she feels like she has with the Bagley's and she wants to continue that relationship. I wonder too, like, was it an option to stay in Atlanta and like work with them satellite like she could that way she could still like jump in with those training partners and do workouts with them but like like it would be it's probably like that would be more of like an adidas thing right like yeah stay in the group and have the adidas sponsorship right coaches that are no longer affiliated so like that probably wasn't an option as far as like the sponsorship piece came in right because sponsorship yeah it's hard when you're the track club is tied into a group like you leave that group 
yeah. or you want to work with a different coach who's not coaching that group, like there's a sponsorship. Like that's, again, athletes are having to make those really hard choices. Um, but I think that's why that probably wasn't an option for her if I had to assume. But like that, that's what's so cool about this, that she did take the leap and she just decided to go unsponsored for a little bit because she believed so much in their coaching that she was like, this is going to work out. Like I will get a sponsorship eventually. She just went unsponsored for a little bit. And I think we've um, figured out that it's probably going to work out for her now. I mean, maybe I, my curiosity, I guess I want to question the assumption that she was making enough to make it worthwhile to stay in Atlanta. Um, because you just never know. Yeah. When like, it's a group that's sponsorship the hard part where you go, like, I'm sure you'd be like, if this is working for you, you start to paint a picture of like, I'm just pontificating, but like, you know, let's move to, let's move to this new city. We can set you up with like income. You'll, we'll find a way to make it work. And if it's easier to imagine foregoing that opportunity, if it's less and less, if you're imagining less and less money. And I think it's fascinating. Like even this idea of like coaches corner and like how you connect with coaches, like you're saying, Laura, I've heard good things about no Hilly, the new coach at Atlanta track club, but you can imagine there just being this feeling of like, we're going into Olympic year. And if I'm calling like that an orange and you're like calling that an, uh, like a nectarine and you're like, what are we talking about? Like it only takes a few weeks, months of this spring for things to be like, ah, uh, and then we kind of lost February I got that little hiccup and then you're like, oh shoot, the whole thing, we wasted away the Olympic year to like trying to find a new well, fit. That's the whole thing too is like, I mean, I've had four different coaches in my career and I can tell you that every time I switch coaches, like you're switching everything. You're switching philosophy, like approach to training, you know, type of training, intensity of training. Like there's a huge adjustment period to switching coaches um, again, every athlete is different, but like, I guess I'm speaking from my experience. Like you have to sometimes give yourself six months to a year before you're fully settled into this new training program. And so again, for her, like, yeah, like you said, you're going into an Olympic year. Mm. She's already bought into the Vagley's training. She's confident in that training. There's a lot on the line in the next like four or five months, like switching, going from something that has worked really well that you fully believe in and then having to do a 180 as a new coach comes in, even if they're a fantastic coach and like, you know, they have, you know, like there's no reason why, you know, well, anyway, like it does, it's the whole point that I'm trying to make is like, you still have to make an adjustment switching coaches. Yeah. Um, and that can look different for, you know, the athlete that you are and how long that transition takes, but like, that's risky. Like that's a hard, that's a hard move, especially going into like the trials in like four or five months. Yeah. Bad timing for that. Right. And it's interesting because like there, sometimes there isn't a wrong answer either. Right. Yeah. Because it's like, it's not that that makes it any easier to make the decision. Right. But you look at someone like Olivia Baker, who's in a similar situation to Allie Wilson, right? Like an extremely competent 800 meter runner is usually in the final. Any meet that she's in has run incredible and has run incredibly well over the last six months for the new coaching staff that came into the Atlanta track club and is running incredibly well. Someone who actually grew up very close to Allie Wilson. They both grew up in New Jersey, really close to each other. So oh. they kind of had long parallel lives and then being at the Atlanta track club at the same time, she stuck around and is also running incredibly well. So it's, it's kind of like an interesting thing. You pick it apart. Like, all right, did Allie make the right choice or not? You know, it's hard to say, you know, obviously things are going well right now for her. and We want it to continue, but Olivia stayed and she made a great choice for her. As you said, Laura, like it really depends on the person in their situation, you know, it, but it, man, it must be incredibly, my gosh, as if these people don't have enough stress, potential stress going into a race already. Like, is it only viewed as a correct decision if she wins these races? Like, does it like, what's the yeah. bar? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I would never frame it that way, but it's getting talked about that way because mm -hmm. she did win. Yeah. But like, say she was fourth, but ran the same time. Like, is it well, still viewed the same way? It gets into my feeling of like, how do you take something that could be seen as a negative and make it a positive? Like I, if I was US USATF, I would be pitching the women's 800 as this is a massive marketing opportunity. Like who are we going to plaster your brand and tell a whole story about? Because I don't think I don't have Allie Wilson on my card to make the Olympics. Like she's running like amazing. And yet like the big names of our sport are waiting in the wings mm -hmm. to come, you know, when a thing Mo is just like, cool, you can do indoor. That's fun. All right. Um, and it's just like, and it would be awesome to see. It's awesome to see her building her brand and people getting to hear her story. And then if she can, you know, carry that into the summer, uh, June in Eugene, Oregon, 
Um, I laugh because everyone is sick of going to Eugene, Oregon. It's becoming a running joke um, around, even in Oregon, Um, a running joke. Thanks, Matt. Um, But it's just this thing of like, Allie Wilson is making a name for herself and yet she's by no means a favorite to make the Olympic team. How could we like rally that into even more eyeballs, more attention, more excitement for the women's eight? Because it's just like one of the best concentrations of talent in all of America. Outside the marathon, of course, Laura. I mean, obviously, that goes Fair without enough. saying. Okay, I love how you yeah. were just like, yeah, I think Mo's like, mm, hey, what's up? Yeah. Um, did y'all see there's a new, um, there's a comedy Instagrammer person that was doing Laura Green stuff about track? No. Have no. you seen this? Wait, a new person who's doing, Laura Green's doing comedy or someone else is doing comedy? Someone else Green. is doing Laura Green-esque comedy. Oh, Similar oh, to... Similar no, to it's runner comedy is what it is. Okay. It's runner comedy. And I followed her, but now I can't remember what her name is. But this she is did a, a great whole... podcast. <laughs> Listen, she did. A... The reason I brought it up is because she did a whole thing on a bunch of the track women. And she ends it with a thing coming in going, guys, it's not even that hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, this just, isn't even that difficult. And I thought that was hard. funny. Well, yeah. Lucky for you, if you're listening to this podcast, you can go to the show notes and you'll know more about this comedian than I do right now. Um, I don't even know like, how to find her. Like, like I don't no, know. Mia's like, dude, you don't even need two shoes. How hard yeah, is this for really? <laughs> I don't even know how to find this woman. How I, I wondered find... what Laura thinks, though. I, like, Oh, there's a lot space? of people there's a lot of people out there who are doing it but they just don't have the following like i probably follow like four well, or five people who do the following she just got really good right. and Matt, she gained the following be, be clearer there's a lot there are quite a few people who are not funny who try to do this laura is quite funny and it like that shot up no i don't say that i think you know getting popular on some of these sites can sometimes just be lucky or just like you have to just be doing consistently long enough you know what i mean like you know, some people are just really funny. They just started this thing and like, they're not like, they're kind of building it up, but they've maybe been doing comedic things for a long time. They're just new to this endeavor. So like, I definitely come across people who are putting out some really funny stuff, but like, uh, you know, they're just kind of new stuff. to it. So there's like 500 people who follow them, but like, they're yeah. hilarious. Well, and I feel don't like... spend the rest of the time trying to find this. Okay. <laughs> I'm really bad. At... I, I did follow her. So it pops up, but I don't know how to find her. But um, no, Laura, because I feel like when she did that, um, one about the running podcasters. That's when I found out who she was, and I think she had like twenty thousand followers or something. And then it just exploded. I mean, she's I not a dumb dumb. She's like, what if I poke fun at a p- bunch of people who have big followings and are willing, to, likely yeah. to participate in this conversation? Well, I mean, anyway, it was also right for the picking. Although Matt's bitter because he didn't get made. No, that's fine. That's why I brought up. That's why we were talking about Andrew Huberman. He's going to share our podcast. That's going to go great. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, um, we will. I will link. We'll link the the account I'm talking about. I just felt like her skits, the two that I've watched, are most like the type of thing that Laura does. Nice. She has a whole genre. I wanted to bring up something else, too, because we've been talking about these indoor track meets. Short track, as we should say. Short now, track. I will say, and I said this offline before. Like, yeah, like, and I think short track. I think Apollo Ono and ice skating. I don't think about running, but that's see, a, someone who made cool. a name for himself. There we go. There you go. So that's, that's a. That's what else sign. can you tell me about short track speed skating? Nothing. But Apollo Ono. The, yeah. the people who win are the people bun. who don't fall. If you don't fall, you win. I think that's pretty much the result of every one of these races I've seen. Um, but I want to talk about like these indoor races because I think they're incredibly fun. I think they're also really good for television because you can see so much of the track in the feed, mm. right? This is kind of like why hockey is easier to watch than mm. soccer on television. Like you can zoom in and still see so much of the playing surface where soccer is so hard because you can't zoom in and get the whole field experience mm. at the same time. You have to have one or the other, right? Whereas with indoor track, which is what I'll be calling it from this point forward, <laughs> is like you can see so much of the track in one shot. I think it's great for television. It's really exciting. And I just think it, it moves just quicker rounds, right? So I think that also plays a part in it. However, it just gets buried in mm. the running landscape. Not a lot of people watch it. The, the coverage of it gets muddled. We, we talk about it when other things aren't going on. I, by we, I mean the, the running media as a whole. Um, it kind of like has a JV kind of feel to it, which is unfortunate because these are the athletes are the same. 
right? Like for the most part, 99% of the same athletes that are doing some of the other things. So I was thinking maybe there's a way to make this more popular. I and mean, this is what I'm convinced of. This will never happen. But I want to take your temperature on this as an idea because I think that there's ways to partner these indoor track events with the biggest endurance events that we have in our sport. So if you look at where these meets are held, it's, you know, the BU track in Boston is a great one. The Armory in New York is another huge one, right? Like those are like the, the two of the, the preeminent spots for these things. Okay. Why not have the biggest indoor meet at BU be the one that we have like the same weekend as the Boston Marathon. The BU track is basically on the Boston Marathon course. It's exactly the same area of the city where everyone already is for the whole weekend. You basically can walk past it and not even know it when you're down there, okay? So why not have that the, the BU track meet, you know, the track meet at BU, I should say. You can name it whatever you want, right? Um, the day before Boston. That way you can have you have 30,000 running fans who are now going into the city. And what do they want to do? They want to get in the, the spirit of the running event. They want to get the, the capture the energy that's in the city and they want to get off their feet. Why don't you just sit there and watch track meet? This is perfect. You can get all those things checked off at the same time. You can do the same thing at the armory prior to the New York city marathon. I think you can couple these events. And then also it's just like, Hey, it's a major running weekend. It is the super bowl of running that kind of feel to it where you get all the best athletes all in one spot. You have all the coverage as well. These people, the, the networks are already in town. They can cover this stuff. And then in all of the, um, the brands are already in town. I think this would be a marriage that could really work. And I'm like, I don't know. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills for why this hasn't already happened. You're definitely taking crazy pills. I want Peter to weigh in on this. Just like, walk. <laughs> like I want. This is all you, Peter. <laughs> oh man! Oh no! Yeah, Matt, you need to take like what would make the most sense for popularizing the sport, and you have to like put it on a little. Um, you know how you fold up a little paper boat and you just blow on it and let it drift off into the sea. Um, <laughs> and like, it's just like you let it go. You just like the sport is not oriented around <laughs> like us. It's not even oriented around the athletes, really. Um, I did this whole deep dive project on this years ago, and I realized if you really step back, the only thing we've optimized for is like making it fully possible for anyone on planet Earth to maybe win the gold medal. Like we hold the gold medal higher than we hold the audience or the athletes or the brands really, because like we don't do anything that would restrict the, like any person who might just walk up to a track meet. Although Matt, you're trying to drop some indoor races in the middle of the fall and then the middle of outdoor. So like things are going nuts. You, you, you can't do both at the same time. I'm, I'm sorry. It's outdoor track season. I can't run indoors. It's insane. Can't, yeah. Yeah. They're not you can do turners. both at the same time. But you're not asking someone to prepare for the mile and the marathon. You're just saying you're doing the same event. You're just doing one with a roof and one without a roof. Wait, I mean, football I... players sometimes play outside and then play in a dome. It's not a big deal. I would say indoor track is highly undertapped in terms of like the the potential. My biggest pet peeve about indoor track is people build these new. BU is the perfect indoor track. It's both the fastest and the fans are, for whatever reason, since the moment they built it 20 years ago, or actually it, its heritage is 30, 40, 50 years ago, they let the fans like pack the exterior of the track and often be on the inside of the track. And so it's just pure mayhem. And then it's like confluence of factors. I've been seeing these new indoor facilities being built and it's like, oh, you nailed all like the technical details, but the fans are like 50 feet further away and it just, it's quiet. And there's like six people on the track. It just doesn't sing at all. Whereas um, all I want is fans everywhere, track packed. And then the, the announcer losing his or her voice, just like screaming as, you know, records are set and events happen. So, but most people have not done indoor track. I mean, I imagine Laura did the one at 5,000, 6,000 feet, which is, Almost doesn't count. It's so. I'm difficult. not hearing much of a counter argument. I'm hearing a lot of words. <laughs> I'm, I'm not hearing like, a counter indoor, argument. Indoor track is amazing. It's probably the highlight of my athletic career. Ever, even though I didn't accomplish anything there, it just is like when you're heading down the backstretch and you're imagine you're heading down a very short backstretch and your teammates' heads are like popping. They're like 
they would like lean down and scream at you and then pop their head back up. So you're just like, <laughs> you're flying down the backstretch. I was notorious for like kicking way too early in a four by eight. I would just be like, I'm going now, like go for broke. And then I would just like end on fumes, wheels falling off. And everyone's like, eh, you tried. And I was like, man, that was, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> um, okay, Matt, I'm on board. Sign me up. We're going to change. Laura, tell all your friends. We're changing everyone over to indoor short track athletes first. Short track first. Um, I mean, I went to the World Indoor Track Championships in Portland, Oregon in 2016. It was amazing. There was like rock music, uh, pump up lights happening when they came onto the track. Uh, Matthew Centrowitz won a gold medal. It was really cool. I guess I'm taking crazy pills. Thanks for shipping those over here. Peter, you talked yourself out and then back into it. In the, and into it and back into it. Well, indoor is the best. I mean, it's just absolutely the best. Um, Peter, that argument made me wonder what your first drafts of some of your writing looks like. Because <laughs> it was, you took took some, some a real yeah. journey there to get to the yeah. end. My favorite was like the boat, like paper boat <laughs> metaphor. And then you like went to like gold medals and like anyone can win one. Wait, like, was that all in the same? There was no talking in between? There's definitely people listening right now who are like, I actually missed it. I fast forwarded four times. Um, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> Okay, I was, thanks. I will recap everything I just said. I mean, I definitely blacked out. Wait, I need the uh, note version of that, Peter. Can you? Lindsay scroll? is like the is the TikTok generation attention span. Lindsay's just like what, what, what? Um, what? I was watching Lindsay. I was like, we're losing her. We're yeah, losing. I, her. I was looking for that girl's Instagram. <laughs> yeah, totally. You're always accomplishing. <laughs> I'm still oh, looking for it. Wait, who is the person? Um, oh, Rachel Green. Yeah, Rachel, if you're listening, Lindsay booked you a couple weeks ago mid group chat. Rachel like Drake, she... Drake, Drake. Oh, yeah, not Rachel. Rachel oh, Drake. Sorry, I, oh yeah, she's married to Tyler Green, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, man, all these names. Wait, um, I, I booked her mid uh, podcast and I just booked Amy Yoder Begley mid podcast <laughs> today. Like, I'm, I'm really glad that you can come to our right staff now. meeting, Lindsay. This, is, this, this isn't this isn't a podcast recording for Lindsay. It's a it's like a professional mastermind that she gets work so done in the middle of. Wow. <laughs> yeah, this is like the first many of these podcasts, like this could have been an email. <laughs> Thank you. And I might as well just start finishing up my taxes while we like wrap up group chat. Like I just Laura's like, woohoo! And we're like, what? What why? Are you excited? You're like, oh no, I just got a refund. You guys um, just give me so many good ideas. And I'm like, if I don't do it now, I'll forget. Yeah, you'll forget. Um so, and I'm not I'm not like indoor track is like not my not your jam specialty. Wait, can we so talk about our buddy you guys go off. Tommy runs. Can you yes. your best friend, Tommy runs? Yes. He's all of um, our best friend. But I mean, you guys no. did a two and a half hour podcast that everyone should go yeah, listen Lynn, to. Let's talk about how Osaka went for Tommy. Yeah. Well, I mean, Peter probably knows more than I do, but he ran three hours and forty four seconds. But he said in the podcast that we recorded that like he had had a little bit of an injury he was coming back from and he was not like if he's going to run any of these four marathons that he's about to do hard Osaka makes the most sense but I do think he said on Instagram he was trying to go ahead and crack three hours and he posted a funny meme of like me trying to break three hours in the (laughs) clock just like staring at him yeah just like no not impressed yeah Um, um but yeah Tommy he's there with his mom which is super adorable i love that super touching yeah yeah um i've got i've had a lot of good feedback from that podcast i did with him i've had a bunch of people like message the two of us together and so yeah i'm really happy we we did that's awesome yeah he posted a very thoughtful uh reflection on what it meant to him everyone should go check out we could put in the show notes if we remember to do that and um he also, from his daily reels, seems to have been hosted by Mizuno and had like yeah. an amazing experience doing all sorts of stuff that I, you, you know, it's all like in like quarter second bursts. And you're mm-hmm. like, that looks incredible. Also, also, I will say it's always good to get reminded that being an English speaker doesn't make you like better than everyone. Um, I found myself on the Osaka website and was like looking for some results and I had no idea what was happening. You know, you're like, well, this is where um, I'm going to type Tommy's name. And then this is probably a search button. And then Uh a bunch of characters popped up. And I'm like, it was very humbling in a great way. I was like, this isn't about me. No, this was not designed for me to find my friend from Detroit's running result. That's why though, um, those groups like destination marathons, I think those are so good for when you do travel overseas to, a marathon, especially in a country where you don't speak the language, like that's when I'm going to go with a group so that 
I don't have to feel like I'm just going to get lost and not be able to figure things out on my own because I give up kind of easily. That's why I was listening oh. to the Huberman podcast. <laughs> we need some grit. Yeah. But not after this morning, you got more grit. No, I'm excited for Tommy. I hope he's able to, I think last year, last week, he said he was going to try to join. And then I quickly looked up and reminded him it would be right now when we're recording, it's like 1am in Japan. Oh. So he's probably not. Is he live. staying over there until Tokyo? Is that what he said? Yeah, this weekend. It's this yeah. weekend. That's right. God. Yeah. How? Tokyo's... I know. Me, you're my girl. I don't know how you can do that. The thought of doing a marathon back to back within seven days makes me just talk about anxiety. I'm back to having anxiety. <laughs> yeah, Although but Laura, I was thinking like it's different. Back to back marathons. Like I can't do it. <laughs> That's because you, when you run marathons, you go all in all the time and he's not doing that for these marathons. I mean, like he said, he'll probably maybe race like a fall marathon hard. But like, yeah. I think that if you did four marathons like this back to back after your pro career, it would be like, you know, like when Shalane did, what, what didn't she do like all six majors? Like, you know what that I mean? Was like, unreal. And then she ran like two thirty two in New but York. Yeah, she did. For really her last fast. one. And like, I thought she was yeah. going to catch me. That was like my only goal. Was like, <laughs> like when the wheels were coming off, I was like running with like the fear of God, like Shalane could pass me at any moment. And this uh-huh. is her <laughs> marathon in like six weeks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like I ran um, Boston that year and she ran, I don't know. I mean, she ran slower than me, but like not by that much. And she'd run Chicago the day before. The day oh, before. Was, oh, God. That was a wild um, double. So many people actually like did that. <laughs> or tried to do that and then like flights got canceled and whatever but what a oh, wild yeah, I remember that that was super stressful that'd be so heartbreaking like a week of each other crazy yeah but I but you would not be running crazy hard is what I'm saying you would not be running Laura Sweetheart I wonder though because it was interesting that Shalane did do that like you're like okay she's gonna run all six marathon majors like you know what is she gonna run them in but like then she went out and ran them all pretty freaking hard yeah. respectively like a yeah. 232 at new york you're like what like that's, she does not mess around top 10 like what like that's she's like yeah. no hobby joggers here <laughs> she no. is uh she's Fair intense me. i'm excited to see her i haven't seen her in a few years like now that she's been coaching uh collegiate women i'm, I'm wondering how this will change her like how yeah. it will evolve her worldview because when when i met her she was at the beginning of her coaching career but had just finished her professional like crush mode and it was like oh yeah intense imagine dealing with teenagers is gonna have to you have to adjust a little bit yeah you Um, do you do they'll humble you (laughs) oh yeah yeah yeah. they'll cut you down they'll cut your legs right off what did you even just mean by that i don't i don't i know the words but i don't even know what you mean by those like (laughs) slang oh man but speaking of Ibaka, though those results were insane Oh yeah, Lisa Waitman, she killed it. Uh-huh. She's an Australian, and she—I think awesome. I think she's forty-six. Yeah. I might be quoting that she, wrong. I raced her in London in 2017. She and I battled, and she beat me. She was fifth, and I was sixth. Like she's oh. been in the sport at an extremely high level for so long. It's like she's incredible. She's a mom. Like, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty amazing to see women like that continue to just like absolutely like, love what they're doing and like crush it. It's very yeah. inspiring. That's really cool. Yeah. She, so that was um, awesome. I think that she, this would be her fifth Olympic cycle. I think if what? I, if I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah. That's she's incredible. And she works full time because the sponsorship over there is a little bit different. And so like, from what I remember when I talked to her, like her sponsor support is very minimal outside of like shoes and gear and everything. So yeah, she just has like a normal nine to five type job, which is crazy. Just crushing. Did she run like a 224 in Osaka? I think, yeah. Something like that. <laughs> I think, yeah. I mean, I didn't see, I saw more of the men's results because that's just uh-huh. like what popped up. But like, I think she was under 225. Yeah. From like the little pieces I saw. Um, but the men's was nuts. Like the top four were like all under 207. Oh my god. And the guy that won is like a college student. Yeah, I saw that guy. (laughs) Japan crazy. (laughs) And it was like cold and rainy. It was like not a great the day did not look great, but it was pretty incredible to see that. I was like, wow. That was when I did watch Tommy's reel. I was like, 
and he like posted video of like in the athlete's village and like all in the rain. I was like, oh, that does not look fun. Dreadful. Yeah, a blustery day, but a fast day. Was, yeah. Again, like they just all went for it. I love, I love watching Japanese races because they just, yeah, everyone just goes out on two hard three pace, and then yeah. you know. And then half the time you get results like this where like the top four actually like almost do it. And you're like, man, wild, crazy. That's what I'm, I always See, refer to Japan when people are like, you know, why would we make stuff in, in America bigger? Like, why would we foster more participation? We already have enough. Like we just need to take care of the, the elite uh, elites. I'm like, yeah, but like, what about these teams? And then this, these insane group, um, you know, people's just throwing it out there together. These like half marathons where you, if you run fast, you finish 150th. Like what, like it's a different culture. Like it just is so a totally different. different. So different, but it's like fascinating to like watch. Like I love it. Oh, very much. It's very um, exciting. Yeah. But anyway. Lindsay, what other running events capture your attention if indoor track is not your cup of tea? I mean, I think that the major marathons are like what I get most excited That's about. Your... Obviously I'm going to be excited about the Olympics this summer, like the track, the track and field as well. Um, it feels very, it's going to feel really, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like sentimental, I think this summer, because we moved to Raleigh during the summer Olympics. Oh, so it'll be exactly three years. And like, I remember like we moved into this house and um, none of our furniture was here yet because we got here day before our furniture and laying on blow up mattresses in the living room and watching the Olympics. And so I feel like it'll just feel like, oh, we really live here now, you know, when yeah. it, when we're watching it at the house this summer. And it's shorter, right? Because it was a three year cycle. But um, yeah, I think the majors and then I guess outdoor track and field. I don't I know. Oh man, try that again. Like a little delivery. I mean, this is what I wonder, like the, out, the Olympic track and field used to be so special and it was just like, you turned on the TV and it was like, click, there's Olympic track and field. And now it's like off on, it's just another, you could be watching like Paramount plus like streaming a million things, or you could go find your track and field somewhere. Um, I don't know. I just think it captures our, I'm sure that like NBC will hit us with, with some storylines. I just even remember like, oh, wait, we were all watching Michael Phelps just like dominate. And we all just like he came from behind to win the relay. And we all like I was living in a house with a bunch of guys. We all like jumped like into the center of the room, high fiving and fell over. And it was like totally exciting. And now it's like, oh, yeah. Oh, you could watch that, I guess. That's something that's on. Yeah, it's a sad state. I feel like when that's how it becomes and that's how people view it um, makes me sad for the sport. <laughs> but maybe with. LA 28 coming. Oh, I can't wait. Guys, by LA 28. Are you like, have you booked your tickets already, Peter? <laughs> I've thought about it. I've literally thought about it. And then I'm like, <laughs> calm down. Like, you, I live about like, I live like 14 hours from LA just driving. I'm like, I could get in the car now. And then I'm like, you can't rent an Airbnb four years out. <laughs> I'm going to be like messaging Lauren Floris now and being like, can I stay at your house? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, get in there early. Reserve yeah. a spot. <laughs> she lives out there. It's going to be very exciting. And I'm sure it'll I be I almost have deal. like anxiety even thinking about it though. Like yeah. thinking that I have to be there and like, what are you going to go see? And I just assume yeah. Relay will have be like honorary guests of the Olympics by that point. Yeah, like, we'll that's true. We'll just be yeah. dominating the. We'll um, have our own house, you guys. Yeah, that's we'll right. Live shows. The Relay House. Athletes. Has this happened to any of you, um, either of you? The I had a friend who I grew up with who um, is not a runner. He was like, oh, yeah, uh, you posted like a reel or something about Relay. And, and so I, I subscribed and like I, th I listened to one of your podcasts. And I was like, <gasps> and I just immediately felt like, uh, 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 uh -huh. which one? And like, uh, um, I felt yeah. way more nervous than if a runner was like, hey, how do I find it in the app i would be yeah. like oh here's the link and because then i started to really think about where we sit in the stack of nerdiness and i know i try to like fly the nerd flag <laughs> but i'm like oh wow does anything i said on that episode i forget which one he mentioned 
like make any sense to the average person. To the outside you know? world that they're like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. I always say like when someone in my real life is like, oh, you have a podcast? What is it? Let me look it up. I'm always like, well, if you're not into running, like you probably wouldn't be interested not that I don't want you to download it but like you're gonna hop on and it's just gonna be like all this inside baseball and it's not gonna be interesting at all um but maybe I should rephrase that I mean maybe and I was like (laughs) is that even our goal like because then I looked at I did happen to randomly look up like where we're rated on one of those websites that is like downloads. I don't even know how they market, but you know, we're in the top 25 running podcasts in America. And I look at a lot of the other ones and I'm like, those guys are nerds. Those guys are nerds. <laughs> <laughs> those guys are really nerds. Um, I think and... that algorithm's weird though. I think it depends on how many episodes a week you put out. And oh, totally. like, yeah. So it's like, it might not necessarily be like where we rank downloads per episode, but like, I think a podcast Whoa. that puts out more frequent episodes on a regular basis will get ranked higher if if you had the same downloads. Does that make sense? I think so. It's not like where we rank in our in our listeners' hearts. That's not yeah. <laughs> That's all that matters. Those are the That's only rankings matters. I care about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the ones you can't measure. The ones you but can't see, measure. What I like I like it actually and I don't maybe the super running dorks that listen and I'm like when I'm saying that I'm I'm saying it Which as a one compliment. Are we talking about? I'm okay. talking I'm talking like this is like the Peters, the, the Peter that Peters that listen. Um, like I like it when we talk about other sports. Like I think that that's fun when we go off. Hmm. Like when Peter went off about how horrible football was, I was like, "This is fun. I like this." And then I'm like, "My kids oh, really? play rugby." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but I wonder. Matt did if not seem amused. He was I like, wonder if oh, the running dear. dorks are like, "Get back to the running, though." You know what I mean? It'd be. I guess we should do a survey. Well, no, I mean. I am a running nerd, but I will, I subscribe to most of these podcasts. So I'll see something pop up and it's like breaking down the Milrose games. And, mm-hmm. you know, it is a, like a 90 minute podcast. And I'm All like, about I mean, that. I watched the, I watched most of the Milrose games or parts of it. Like I, I certainly don't need 90 minutes of my life to be document taken up, like revisiting the meat from last weekend. Um, and at the same time, you know, some of these stories like have so much like, you know, try endless amounts of trial uh, marathon trials coverage. That was super exciting and going deep on different people's experiences. So like there, there is richness there. I just think it's like, yeah, what level you're hitting at and hopefully like bringing good energy. I always find that to be a weird conundrum of like, if you're going to listen to a podcast that's quite long about a running event, you probably have like to, you're unlikely to come to it with no idea how the meat went right yeah. so then you're like what do, what are you looking for because you're not looking for like results because you just probably saw those on online somewhere so i don't know well I, that's why i think the group chat format curious other people people are listening thoughts like i think it makes it more fun like what stood out to us what's more what was surprising what was exciting <laughs> i don't know oh no that's Chitty's back, back. I did see, um, I did see the dog. Did you guys know that, um, that Matt's dog's name is the same name as one of my kids? Wait, what's your dog's name? Sandy. He has a dog. Sandy. Sandy Boy Productions. I I saw Sandy walk by and I was like, there's Sandy the dog. Where do we go from here? Uh, it's been a good staff meeting. Hopefully Lindsay got a lot done. Uh. (laughs) She bought her cold plunge. I'm sure that was like part of what she did today. (laughs) You, I, if you I, you keep talking about the cold plunge, he's just going to turn off the hot water and be like, how does it feel? You tell me. The whole house is a cold plunge now. Wait, Laura, did you get uh, like obsessed with saunaing in the build up to Orlando? Is this like a new no. life? No. You don't like I it? I did it. I did a lot of saunaing, uh, but I didn't love it. And I haven't done any since and probably won't ever again. <laughs> are, you guys into, are you guys aware of um, like Bishroy is really about, all about this, like the little hats that people wear? I in wore the sauna. that. They had a hat for me. Okay, so shout out to Brian Troy. That's who sauna I used in my entire build up towards Atlanta. And he had my, I had my own little sauna hat. What does that do? Which I actually never asked him, what is the science behind that? Because I was like, I guess this is how you like officially sauna. Like, I don't know. Like, I've never really saunaed before. So I didn't ask questions. But now that you bring it up, I have so many questions. You have so many. You're like, wait, what did happen in there? Wait a second. We need to Why would someone need a hat? I'm so confused. 
No, no, you wear a little hat. I thought it was to protect your head from getting too hot so that you're able to stay in longer, but like, I have never worn one. That people that do like bad water, they always have those hats on. Those like white no, That's a hat. different thing. Just oh, that's a, waves. That's like yes. a heat. Uh, oh, I thought that that's what you were wearing in the sauna. Our listeners are going to be like kicking the dirt while on a run, like pissed that we're such numbskulls. But I, my understanding is that it would keep your head from getting too warm, which is often the thing that like drives people out of the sauna like they just become flushed like i don't like i don't like steam rooms because it's like so intense on my face yeah <sighs> so how I do you feel about, how, th- then how do you feel about running marathons in florida <laughs> yeah, it's too soon as someone who has guys. similar problems i literally was facing the sun at full blast i, I had to shut the blinds a second ago laura saw me like i was basically like it was like, just his face it was just my face it was like laura, the night before your race we went out to dinner with matt and we were just like matt you should have brought some sauce <laughs> <laughs> like friday we, you were fried <laughs> That's funny. And Peter Peter bought my sushi. That was so Oh, yeah. Peter. Oh, man. Laura, did I tell you this? Like, we had a whole conversation where I downloaded to them my whole plan for, like, my new career trajectory with coaching and writing and stuff. And then I was like, oh, Lindsay, I got your sushi roll. And she's like, you just explained how you're unemployed and you have no job. And I'm like, that's what you took away from the conversation? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I gave you a multi-pronged strategy of how I'm going to create things and also have revenue but you just heard like want want loser <laughs> i just felt bad that you're buying my sushi well, um, it's called a gift it's called a friendship but uh, i'm that's fine. excited about your trajectory and i believe that it will be very successful it's going to culminate uh well the near term not culminate near term uh sight line towards boston we're all, we're all going to be together laura can we get you out there we're working on that we're working, we working on that on stay tuned okay. guys we're working right. on it that's going to be exciting. Okay. I have a good way to wrap it. I told you guys that I was listening to the Huberman podcast at the beginning of the episode. So tell us, tell me, tell the listeners, what is the most recent podcast, book, or show that you have been ingesting that you have enjoyed and you'd like to share with the audience? Love is Blind, season six. It's so <laughs> cool. New episodes drop Wednesday. So excited. Laura, the first really time I ever interviewed you, like, a million years ago, we talked about Love is Blind. You're still on that train. Oh, I am on that train. This season is so good. We're about to see some things. Anyway, that's what I've been ingesting. So Love it. Oh, I love it. It sounds similar to the Huberman podcast about mental t- like tenacity and stuff it's like that. It's very similar. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, got an, I got an early copy of The Examined Run by Sabrina Little. It oh. is absolutely fantastic. I'm be interviewing her on Thursday for Rambling Runner, but she is she's awesome. She's a, a crusher on the trails and an incredibly smart person, uh, philosophy professor. Um, and uh, it is really, really good. If um, someone likes Ryan Holiday books, mm. it's kind of like that, but towards the running side of things. But a lot of the same concepts that you may have um read about in some of those books i think it's i think it's fantastic so uh, i'm, I'm Sabrina, plowing through the pdf know, is a a wonderful runner and writer and she's sort of jarring if you follow her online because she's so earnest and thoughtful that it's like whoa that really like you're like my i've realized my brain is so rotted that when i read her posts on threads now um it's like half expecting to turn to something snarky because of how people are horrible online and She's just like, nope, that's just, that's the whole post, just a thoughtful, uh, I mean, she can also be funny, so it's true, but I'm like, oh, she didn't cut anyone down. She wasn't being snarky or trying to subvert democracy. She was just like being funny, being nice. And I'm like, oh man, she's a very thoughtful person, Not, but her name is not uh, known as widely as it probably should be for how great she is. Yeah, I like. Doesn't her a try lot. to subvert democracy. That reminds me, like we had a, we had a quote, we had we had a question about the lagoon pillows. Like I'm I'm all for buying the pillows, but we want to make sure this person wasn't associated with trying to overthrow the government. Like, nope, not that pillow company. You're fine. You're fine. <laughs> this is a goonsleep different... com forward slash relay. You're fine. Matt, that was a free ad. There you Boom. go. See, but use the code relay seriously if you. Do that. Really get on that. Yeah, get an otter. Get to bed. Right, Peter, um, your turn. Um, I'm a big long form podcast junkie. Um, it's a very nerdy podcast where they interview 
different writers, mostly uh, reporters, writers, uh, sometimes podcasters, um, but they just totally geek out on the, a little bit of that kind of fun, fun front of house, back of house, you know, like they just brought on someone who wrote a book about Twitter and the down, like the, the downfall of what was Twitter into X. And mm. they're, they are like asking those questions, like, wait, how did, how'd this book get made? Like, didn't it just happen? Like how, you know, and so they get a little bit into like how the sausage is made, whether it's for a high production value podcast or a book or um, just like reporting in general. Uh, so long form, long it used form. to be a news, it used to be a website. And sadly that kind of folded because they used to curate some of like the best stories across the web. And as long form writing on the web has kind of shifted and cratered, they just moved to like, okay, the podcast is our thing. Um, but yeah, it's worth checking out. It's a lot of like, it's sort of like creators interviewing other writers and creators about their craft. Long form. Okay. I long feel like I got form. some love is blind, yeah. long form. A lot of balance. Yeah, you guys all like put forth all these like. I'll come with the tra- I'll come with the less wholesome <laughs> content next week. Okay. I'll like work on that. TV. Tune in. I, I will say <laughs> though, on the Huberman lab, I'm kind of like, I could do that podcast with like, like a 30 minute episode. Like that thing oh, was yeah. two hours long. Yeah, that's. And I did the whole thing. I did not need to do that. It was too much. Well, this is my well, thing. You didn't have like, enough willpower to stick with it. I need obviously. the Cliff Note version. Yeah, Spark Notes. Like optim, I call it like optimization porn. Yes, it's like that's it. You know when Stolberg? I mean, all of them do it. Like Stolberg's like, here's 37 ways to optimize your life, and you're like, I just <laughs> I black out. It skips off my brain, and I'm just like, what? Um, I, mean, I, I think so they're much rarely that. incorrect. Although, if you get into the weeds, they. Sometimes people feel like Huberman brings on people without enough, like, actual pushback. Mm-hmm. He's sort of like, tell me about your philosophy. And people just talk at length. Um, mm-hmm. I've heard people post, like, well, that woman's findings, like, contradicted the person from two episodes uh, ago. So, like, uh-huh. where are we supposed to be? And it's just, like, too much. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. I'm not sure really where. And then I, you're not a man, but I get ads from him like with this like how dare you pe- this like rubber piece of silicone that he like chews on I'm right like, here. Who are you talking to, <laughs> <laughs> ladies? You get Huberman ads with him biting into a piece of silicone. The shark bite. The shark oh. bite. They target Google all male it. on social media. It's a yeah. way for males to lose their double chin and get more... a stronger jawline, which for me would be perfect as someone whose nickname was literally what? Chinless Chittum growing up. I oh. feel like it was a very targeted ad for wow. me specifically. Okay. How did okay, you so over... this will be the next 90 minutes Wait, of this podcast. How did you overcome that? I haven't. I oh. actually, when the day I got my, my braces oh, off my when I was in seventh, sixth or seventh grade, the, the orthodontist like tried to pitch me on getting a chin implant while after he took the braces off and showed me before and after pictures of other people who did it i'm 12 i'm 12 years old and my mom comes into the room and she's like what's happening in here i'm like he's telling me i need a child he's like he's telling me i need a chin implant she's like what the hell is that he's like or we can break the jaw in these different areas and move it forward and then kind of solder it together. Were you like, like Were you in like uh Yeah, where were you in Malibu? This is why I, get, this is, I was like, where no, listen, 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 Doc. I'm gonna stay the way I am and I'm gonna oh. be on Love is Blind Six. Because <laughs> Love is Blind, and I'm gonna keep this. Uh, I actually know someone I actually know someone I'm very close to that has a chin implant. I won't disclose who, but I, it's yeah. not an unheard of thing. Yeah, it's unheard of for middle schoolers. Who it is still haven't of- hit, who still haven't hit their growth spurt <laughs> for twelve like, year olds. Middle school is a tough time, just as is. Let alone Adonis like pushing chin implants on you. The person I know was like fifty. Okay, so yeah, I mean, your own, but how like, how can we support you, Matt? How can we support you, you in this endeavor? Like, in this you can, you can, you can, you can send me one of those shark bites. I think it's eight ninety nine with shipping and handling. <laughs> These free ads. This is the episode of the most free. If you can ads get me I've the orange heard. one, that will that will that will complement my rambling runner branding. 
It'd be great. You got it, Matt. I got Peter, you. Peter, you're not allowed to send it since you're unemployed. Laura and I are going to send that to you. <laughs> yeah. Liz and I will split it. We'll pay. We'll each pay four bucks. It's totally worth yeah. it. <laughs> Best four bucks I've ever spent. Oh, this is why you only see me straight on. No, no, no silhouettes of Matt Chittam. Just straight on podcasting. Oh, oh man. Lord. I had another this comment whole... about that. Now I forget. Not about your <laughs> Just that whole situation was like a lot to unpack. If but... you're listening, <laughs> thank goodness you're only listening. And not... <laughs> <laughs> Can we get a profile? It's fine. We're about to solve all of his problems. Yeah. Huh. To be an affiliate. <laughs> it worked for him. You guys are mad. Look at the transformation. Let's wrap it up. Do you ever get, I mean, we got to go. Do you ever get cold pitches for being an influencer for like affiliate marketing stuff? And I just, my brain, I I see it and I laugh, but then my brain doesn't stop there. And it just sort of like noodles in the background for a day of like how absurd it would be if I just started like pitching all family. Yeah. If I did ads for all like, we want to send you this bag of who's what's it. And all we ask is that, you know, some stories, some posts, some reviews. Well, um, and, and then, yes, and then some affiliate codes. And I'm just like, if I was like, have you, anyone checked in on Peter? He's been doing those like shark bite affiliate Ketones. code things. Yeah. He's going to get 10% of a $4. <laughs> Does he know how many of those pieces of plastic he would need to sell to make a dent in his donut uh, habit <laughs> i got one of those for like though, so. for sunglasses <laughs> i got the sunglasses one they're like we'll send you 15 pairs of sunglasses if you like them you can post about it i'm like i'm probably not gonna like them they're like oh. we'll send them anyway i'm like okay <laughs> here's my address my kids were pumped they're like way too big for them but they wear them oh. anyway they're like well, dakota linworm yes oh yeah well these things happen all right guys um, all right, bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> It's been real.